the Lord for his goodness and his kindness. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You glad to be alive and in church on this Sunday? Give God the glory right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just glad to be alive. Look back at him and say, I'm glad to be in church. Amen. Because I remember the days where I used to be in other places. Hallelujah. But I thank God that on a Sunday morning, the Lord ordered my footsteps, gave me the mind to come and worship him and praise him for who he is and the great things he has done. And so we honor him and bless him. We thank God for you, you, and you uh, for being here on today. Amen. Good morning, Freedom. So glad to see each and every one of you here on today. I want to give you a couple of announcements, and I'm going right into the word, the teaching on today. Uh, we are hosting uh, for all, uh, hosting a brunch for all mothers on Mother's Day um, after service. Is Mother's Day next week? Mother's Day is next week, next Sunday. And so the brunch is free. It's going to be after service on next Sunday. So we need you to reser reserve your spot. You can sign up by texting TFCJ, the Freedom Church Jacksonville, TFCJ Mom to 555-888. All right. So please uh, text TFCJ Mom to 555-888. There are many of you have already signed up. You want to be a part of that, please sign up as well. We want to honor and recognize you uh, for being the great moms. Can we put our hands together for our awesome mothers. Amen. 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 Ain't nobody like a mama. Amen. Ain't nobody like a good mother. So we bless God for you and we want to recognize you. We'd also want to recognize um, um, the mothers here at Freedom. So if you know of a mother that you would like to recognize for some special reason for Mother's Day, I want you to visit www.tfcj.org forward slash Mother's Day. Um, if you want to recognize her, write a small, a short, uh, description of why you want to recognize her and uh, we want to do that on next Sunday. Listen, next Sunday, Mother's Day, we're having a huge thing going on so you do not want to miss next week. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be mind-blowing. Some of you, your mouth is going to drop of what God is getting ready to do. So you want to be here next Sunday. Amen? Amen. Men's praise team rehearsal. We're still having the men to do a praise team. Um, so it's not too late to join the men's praise team that we are assembling for the Mother's Day. Um, for the mamas, we're going to sing for the mothers. Amen. So men, I need you to come and lift your voice. Good voice, bad voice, on key or off key. It don't matter. I need you to be here. Rehearsal will take place this Tuesday, May the 7th uh, at 7 p.m. And Saturday, May the 11th at 10 a.m. We already had some men to sign up. We need more men to sign up. So make sure you are here. Amen. On this uh, coming Tuesday, this Tuesday at, at 7 p.m. and Saturday, May the 11th at 10 a.m. Uh, uh, if you would like to join, please see Jonathan Baptiste. Where's Jonathan? Where's Jonathan? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. They can't see you. Raise it up high. You see Jonathan. Amen. After service uh, for more details. Uh, don't forget, join us for midweek service Wednesday at 7 p.m. For midweek service, we have an amazing time in the Word of God. And so you want to be here on Wednesday nights. Also, you can listen to all the messages online. Um, via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or our website, www.tfcj.org forward slash sermons. How many of you go back and listen to the messages? Anybody go back and listen? Amen. Uh, I, I pray that it blesses you, and uh, we provide that so that you can have the word at, at your disposal. Um, church business meeting um, that we had on Wednesday was an amazing experience on Wednesday night. Amen. It was an amazing experience. I want to say thank you to all those that came out, that pressed your way. 
on Wednesday night. I appreciate you so very much for being here. Um, I want to say this. Uh, I, it was very confrontational. It was very uh, vulnerable for me. Amen. We got more people coming in. Any more seats? Any, any more seats? Lift your hand if you got some seats around you. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. We got some seats on the front row. Praise the Lord. We got a couple over here. Amen. Let's do this. Amen. Can I get some men to stand? Some men of freedom to stand. Amen. All right. Give me three or four. Y'all come sit over here. Sit on the stage. Sit on the stage. Sit on the stage. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. We made space. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Amen. That's good. That's good right there. That's good right there. That's good. All right. Amen. Y'all come on and have a seat. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, as the old preacher would say, it's tight, but it's right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Um, uh, uh, men, if any other people come in, especially ladies, make sure you move. Amen. Come sit on the stage. I don't care if you move while I'm talking. Do it while I'm talking. Amen. Um, if more people come in. Uh, thank you for all those that came to the church business meeting. We appreciate you so much. During this time of discipleship, everybody say discipleship. We are in a 90-day discipleship challenge, 90-day discipleship challenge. During these 90 days, here's what I need you to do, Freedom Family. I told you on Wednesday, we have no titles, no positions, just Jesus. Everybody say no titles, no positions, just Jesus. Right, so nobody's operating in ministry. Youth, uh, youth uh, ministry is not. Uh, youth church is not open right now. We want to make sure that we are in the space where we're receiving the word of God. We're going to be taught the word of God. Amen. All right. So if the babies cry, it's all right. If they cry, it's okay. If they cry excessively, praise the Lord. Take them out and come back in. Praise the Lord. On Wednesday, we had one of our members to say something very uh, insightful. That what we're trying to do is we're trying to set up a um, uh, a screen in either the cafe or in one of the rooms so that if the children get a little too out of hand, that it'll be simulcast in that room. Amen. What I don't want is I don't want the saints of God to be going in that room for no reason. Amen. All right. So we're going to we're looking into that to set that up so that we can get uh, uh, make sure that everybody's accommodated as much as possible. And we went back to one service. Why did we go back to one service? Because we're going to grow together. Amen. Grab the hand of your neighbor and say, neighbor. We're going to grow together. We might not all be at the same place, but we're going to grow together. Amen. All right. So that's why we went back to one service uh, for this season. So these 90 days, here's what I need you to do. When you come to church, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. Okay. Bring your Bible. Here's the thing about online. I want to be very clear about this. Hear your pastor. Hear me well. Here's the thing about having apps. You have to be careful. Because they are systematically changing certain words in the, in the Holy Writ. In the NIV, especially because you're going to see me gravitate back to the New King James. Okay? Because in the NIV, especially, they are changing certain words where sin don't look so bad no more. Okay? So you need to be careful. You need to get it in writing. All right? Get you, get you a, a Bible. Uh, that, that is in writing so that you can see what the word of God says, all right? Now, you know, I, I research, study words. I understand the, the meanings of it, etymology of the words, and so I will go through all that, but I need us to make sure that we have a Bible. Now, if you have it on your app, that's fine, but make sure you have a, a way that you can go back to it, amen, because it's not good enough to just uh, uh, be able, and so let me just say this. Ain't nothing going to be on the screen. You know why? Somebody said this to me, and this, this messed me up the other day. They said, Pastor, do you realize that while you be preaching, nobody opens the Bible anymore? 
So if I asked you to go back to it, you couldn't even find it. You taking my word for law and don't even check it for yourself. And I don't, I, that's dangerous. I need you to know what the book says yourself. Amen. So we're going to be going into the word on today. So I need you to bring your Bible and I need you to bring something to write with. If you take notes in your phone, that's great as well. But we are going to be going into the word of God. Are you ready to learn the word on today? Let's go to Matthew, the 28th chapter, Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. This is where we're going to start. Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. If more people come in, we got uh, two seats right here and two seats right there. We have one seat over here. Amen. So we got more space. Amen. We're going to make room at the end. Amen. Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. Amen. Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. If you haven't, say Amen. You're still looking for it? Say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. Um, I'm actually going to be reading this from the NIV version because uh, I like how the NIV reads on this one uh, so that you can get a good understanding of what's going on. Matthew 28, verse number 16 through 20. The Bible says... Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Everybody say some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to teach this morning from this subject the command for di discipleship. The command for discipleship. The command for discipleship. Um, I remember when I grew up, I don't know if they still do this in school or not. I got some elementary school teachers. I any teachers in here? Any teachers? Raise your hand. Any teachers? All right. Y'all tell me if they still do this. I remember growing up in school, every day before the day got started, we would recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Do y'all still do that? Yeah, okay. We would recite the Pledge of Allegiance. You had to stand up, put your hand over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag for the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, you know it. And every day we would recite the pledge, hear this, to, rem to be reminded that we belong to a kingdom. You recite the pledge to be reminded that you belong to a kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of the United States of America. And we would recite this to remind us that we are American citizens. We would recite to never lose sight of the significance and privilege of being in this country. But if you are a Christian, you also belong to another kingdom. God's original purpose and plan was to, listen to this, establish and extend his heavenly kingdom on earth. 
And God wanted to, here's a word that you hear all the time, but I don't think we understand the significance of it. God wanted to colonize the earth with heaven through mankind. Most of the people from the islands, I got anybody from the islands, from the Caribbean, anybody from uh, another country, amen, any, anybody from uh, anywhere in the continent of Africa, y'all know what I'm talking about when I say colonizers. You know, y'all picked that up when y'all saw uh, that movie, Black Panther. But I don't think you understand what colonizing really means. A colony uh, is a territory that has been under the control of a country that exerts imperialistic authority. Okay, um, I don't want nobody standing. I need you to be sitting, so I need you to find a seat. Do that for me, please. In other words, Great Britain was colonized, uh, colonized the Bahamas. Cuba was colonized by Spain. Haiti was colonized by the imperial power called France. In other words, these territories were colonized by another government in a faraway place. Are y'all with me? Okay. Uh, because the essence of colonization was to make the territory just like the headquartered country. Okay, you missed, let me, let me break it down. God's intent and purpose was to colonize the earth, to bring heaven to earth, and he was going to use mankind in order to do it. God wants to colonize the earth with heaven, and he wants to use you and I in his kingdom agenda to influence this world to look like headquarters. He wants your house to look like headquarters. He wants your job to look like headquarters. God help me. He wants the church to look like headquarters. And just in case you are confused about where headquarters is, headquarters is called heaven. Are y'all with me? All right. So he wants to use you and I to colonize the earth in order for heaven to come down to the earth. All right. Um, God's kingdom agenda is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. But in order to facilitate God's kingdom, he needs his citizens. That's you and I in the kingdom to be representatives of the kingdom. And God has installed a process for the development of those kingdom people. Because you just can't show up and say, I'm a representative. But you ain't been trained. You ain't been taught. You don't know how to do it. You know, I've been to South Africa several times. And, and one time when we were coming back from South Africa, we were, uh, uh, I think we were in Sweden somewhere. And a white man asked me, how is it that black people can be shot in the street in America? And they get away with it. I had no answer for him. Now, as, as I belong to the colony of the United States of America, but if I haven't been trained on how to, and I had my own answer, but if I haven't been trained on how to answer that, as a representative, I could mess up some stuff. They don't send you and I to the UN, because we'll get to talking crazy. Because we have not been trained. And God's process to train his people to be representatives on earth is called discipleship. Let the church say discipleship. Discipleship is the process of the local church 
that seeks to bring Christians from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so that they can replicate the process with someone else. It is the, it is the process, watch this, of the local church that explains so much why people are fighting now for you not to come. Because the process of the local church is to train people how to grow from infancy to maturity. And the process is for you to grow to maturity so you can replicate the same process in somebody else. You didn't grow in your faith because you didn't cut somebody out. You didn't grow in your faith because you stopped sleeping with somebody that you got tired of anyway. You grew in your faith when you were able to replicate and duplicate the discipleship processes that God took you through in somebody else. And my question for you, Freedom, is there's a lot of people in here, but how many of you have really made disciples? Okay. Um, the goal of the church, hear this, is not to simply have members. but to have people who can be developed over time into proper representatives of the kingdom they are part of. And this, this, this development process is called discipleship. Are y'all still with me? If you want to grow and be mature in God and in the spirit, you must be discipled. If you want to grow so that your life can please God, you must be discipled. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I love you, but I have to tell you the truth. You need to be discipled all us from the pastor to the deacons to the ministers to an evangelist to whoever the prophet pope pope poentate whoever you want to be and whatever you call yourself you need to be discipled you can sing on the praise team. You can greet people at the door. You can be on the soundboard. You can be in the parking lot. But you need to be discipled. Because when you, it is shown when you are not discipled, when you get uh, adverse situations, you ain't ready for. This is the generation that wants everybody around them to change except for them. So now you just need positive energy. I want nothing but positive energy around me. What about you? I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were saying, you know, how everybody talking about, I want a positive energy, and I, I got to burn sage because I need positive energy around me. You know what that says? That says that every problem is outside of you and not in you. And could it be that you'll get positive energy when you change your attitude? Y'all don't like the real talk. I'm going to talk. I'm going to teach this. Y'all going to get taught this word. This is why we are in endeavoring to go through a 90-day discipleship challenge because coming to church ain't enough. Coming to church ain't enough. Serving on the ministry is not enough. I want to be all that God wants me to be. So what do we need to do during these 90 days? I talked about this on Wednesday. Write this down if you need to. Number one, you need to be present. Remember I talked about this? You need to be present. Let your calendar and your commitment reflect that God is the priority in your life. In this season, 90 days, let your calendar and your commitments reflect that God is a priority in your life. Number two, you need to be persi persistent. Be engaged in spite of life's changes and trials. Over the next 90 days, hell is coming knocking at your door. I'm warning you, when you try to grow as a disciple, get ready for hell to come after you. 
Because you know what's crazy? Here's the crazy part. Hell don't care if you praise. Hell does not care if you worship. That don't bother hell. You know what bothers hell? When you grow. Because there's nothing that intimidates the devil more than a Christian that has grown up. God help me. You know why? Because when you grow up, certain stuff don't even bother you no more. I need somebody to lift your hand and say, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to grow. Um, so in our text that we read, Matthew 28, in the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven, Jesus calls a meeting. And according to Matthew 28, verse number 16, it says that the 11 disciples met in Galilee to the mountain that Jesus had told them to go. Uh, I thought it was 12 disciples. Why is the text saying 11? Why is it 11 disciples? Anybody know? Judas. What happened to Judas? He killed himself. How did he kill himself? He hung himself, okay? Watch this. The text says that they go to meet with the risen Lord, and, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But verse 17 says something that blesses me. In verse 17, if you look at your text, the Bible says that some that were with them were doubtful, okay? In other words, some, some people in the crowd had questions. Could it be possible for the man that we saw die in such a horrible death really rise from the dead is this stuff real does this stuff really work is is this is the very thing has anybody ever asked yourself this question is the very thing i have been giving my life to these last few years really legit all showed up but some showed up watch this with questions okay and that's what we got in this place today all y'all showed up. God bless you. Praise the Lord. But the reality is there's some of you in here that have questions. I'm worshiping this Jesus, but is this thing real? Does this thing called Christianity really work? Can I really trust this Jesus thing? But here's the good news. The doubts didn't keep you at home. God help me. That's a good place to give God glory and give God praise. That the doubts you have did not keep you at home. The doubts brought them out to see for themselves. So if you are here today and still have doubts, at least the doubts didn't keep you at home. God, listen, God has never been intimidated by our uh, questions that we have of him. He's never been intimidated by our uncertainty. He is God enough, watch this, to show up even when we got doubts. And all he needs for you and I to do is to show up even when we have doubts. Because when we show up, watch this, the text says he shows up as well. And I came to let somebody know that you might be questioning this Jesus thing. You might have a lot of questions about your faith. But thanks be unto God that you showed up. And because you showed up, Jesus is going to show up as well. I need you to touch, look at the people down your row and say, Jesus is going to show up. I know you got questions. I know you're wondering how this is going to work out. But Jesus is going to show up in the midst of your doubts. Watch your voice, Philip. Watch this. They came and they worshiped to celebrate the risen Christ even with their doubts. Watch this. They sang their song. They prayed their prayers. And then Jesus stands up in verse number 18. And he says something that I need you to see in verse number 18. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Can I give you a translation? You ready for the translation? I'm in charge now. 
That's what Jesus is saying. I'm in charge now. The Son of Man has received from the Father supreme authority in heaven and in earth over the whole kingdom of God in its fullest extent. All authority has been handed to me up there and down here, in heaven and on earth, in eternity and in time. Jesus is saying right here, I'm in charge now. So as we enter this, into this discussion about discipleship, why is this important? Because we must establish, you ready for this? I need you to hear this. I'm going to really mess with a lot of your cultural thinking, and so I need you to kind of go on the ride for me and think for yourself. We must establish that it's not just about God, but it's about Jesus. Okay. Jesus says, I'm in charge now. All authority has been given, has been handed to me. Why is this important? Here is why it's important. You ready? Because anybody can talk about God. But when it comes to who is in charge of your life and who makes the final call and the determinative decisions in your life, it boils down to not just your belief in God, but your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. Because when you say you believe in God, let me help you. Let me help you. I don't know which God you're talking about. Come on. These young teenagers, when you say about God, when you talk about, oh, I love God, who is God? Because God can have a lot of sub-definitions. God can be the higher power. God can be positive energy. God can be the man upstairs. Who is that? Because you live on the first floor and somebody live on the second floor, so is that man upstairs your God? Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get specific. You got to get specific. You got to get specific. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. So you got to be clear on who your God is. Is it just this blanketed statement that you believe in God? Because in this day and time, ladies and gentlemen, that ain't good enough. For some of us, weed is God. For some of us, sex is God. Come on, I came to tell y'all the truth. For some of us, our cars have become and our jobs have become our, become our God. I need to be clear. Freedom, who do you serve? Because if you keep using this blanketed statement that you love God, I need to be clear who that God is. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So it's no longer for you to have this, this, this mysteriousness about who you worship. We got to get specific. Because here's what I've discovered. It's easy to say you love God. You come in conflict when you tell people it's all about Jesus. Okay. It's, it, it's, it's, it's easy. When you say Jesus, Christ, I know exactly who you're talking about. Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Jesus, the one who came down 40 and two generations to be born of a virgin. Jesus, a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Jesus, my cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected. I got to be certain about who this Jesus is. And I need to know, I love God, but I thank God for Jesus because Jesus is the head of my life. Is there anybody in here that say, I don't want to be, uh, uh, I don't want to be mysterious about who I worship. I need to know, are there any Jesus lovers in the Freedom Church on this morning that say, I want to be very clear it is Jesus who is the head of my life. Because when you say first giving honor to God, who's the head of my life, you can still cuss people out in the parking lot. 
But when you say Jesus, uh-oh, now we got a standard. Now we done got specific. Now it ain't, I'm not sure exactly. I'm very clear in who I serve. Watch this. And this word authority, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. This word authority in the original, watch this, means the right to rule. The right to rule. He says, all authority has been given to me. All authority, the right to rule. Jesus is saying that he has the legitimate right to make the calls. Hmm? This is important because let me blow your mind this time. Um, do you know that a person with authority can overrule a person with power? Let me say that one more time. A person with authority can overrule a person with power. Let me put it like this. On the football field, the players are young. They're strong. They're faster than anybody else in the stadium. They have power. But the referee has authority. Did you miss what I just said? The players can knock you down, but the ref can put you out. Okay, you still ain't with me. And even though, watch this, the refs might be slower, older, and fatter. They have a whistle and a yellow flag that can stop the entire game. Come on. They might not have the power of the player, but they have the authority of the league. There it is. And God desires that you and I, kingdom citizens, uh, that, that we understand that even though we might not have all the power, we still got authority. What does that mean? And even though the devil might have some power, uh, he doesn't have more authority than you. And because Jesus says all authority belongs to me and if you be in him and he be in you greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world that's why you got to tell the devil you might have the power but I got the authority God help me I got the authority to tell the devil back up out of here I got the authority to tell the devil take your hands off I have to have the God says you got the authority I need the people in this house that know that God has given you authority over every demon and over every devil and over every witch and over every warlock I need you to lift your hands and tell God thank you that you gave me authority your boss got power you got authority you got to be clear because if you're in him and he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth then what can come against me I got the greater on the inside of me. Question, so why are you walking around here with your head hung down? Talking about, oh, look how awful my life is. Look what the devil is doing to my life. The devil is a lie. You got authority. Do me a favor. Touch three people around you and tell them you got authority. You got authority. You got authority. You got authority. Stop walking around here as if you defeated. Stop walking around here as if the devil has the final say. Stop walking around here as if your situation has the final say. Stop walking around here with tears in your eyes and your head hung down. The devil is a liar. You got authority, and I don't care what comes against you. No weapon, there it is, that's formed against you shall be able to prosper. I need to know are there any people in here that say, I'm getting my authority back over every demon, over every devil. I need you to tell depression, I got the authority. You I got some power, but I have the. Jesus said.
says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is critical to understand discipleship because if Jesus is going to grow you from infancy to maturity, he has to have the ability to call the final shots in your life. So here's another thing why I'm going into this whole discipleship piece. Because you know what I've discovered? Freedom. You know him enough to get, to get saved, but you don't know him enough to get changed. You know what that means? That means that he's your savior, but he ain't your Lord. You know him enough to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, but you don't know him enough for you to stop doing what you're doing. He's your savior. He ain't your Lord. You, you, you quick to say, you know, oh, I love God because he saved your soul. But do you love him enough for him when he tells you no, you put it down? Because he's your savior, but he ain't your Lord. And God is saying, in discipleship, I got to become your Lord. Jesus give this, this command of discipleship. Jesus says in verse number 19, what does he say? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, make disciples. Make disciples is the imperative. It's not a request or a suggestion. It's a command. It's the command of discipleship. Jesus says, I command you not to just make Christians but to make disciples. Mm -hmm. I want you to do this, watch this, using three participles. Preach, brother. I want you to use this using three participles. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Going, let the church say going, going. Baptizing, baptizing, and teaching. Say it one more time. Say going, going. Baptizing, baptizing, and teaching. The participles are giving you the method on how to achieve the imperative. The imperative is to make disciples, and the way that you do that is through going, baptizing, and teaching. But everything evolves around discipleship. So we must ask the question that many of you are asking, what is a disciple? The word disciple, watch this, is a well-known word in the Greek world at this time. It meant catch this, disciple, it meant somebody who was following in the footsteps of someone else. Someone that is following in the footsteps of someone else. What is a disciple? Someone who is following in the footsteps of someone else. Freedom, what is a disciple? All right. Turn to Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse number 24 and 25. Matthew 10, verse number 24 and 25. Are y'all mad that I'm teaching? Okay, Matthew 10, 24 through 25. Matthew 10, verse number 24 and 25. Lord, I ain't heard the, the rustling of pages of a Bible turn in a very long time. It's a sweet sound in my ear. Matthew 10, verse number 24 and 25. The text says, New King James Version, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. That's all I need out of that. 
a disciple is someone who becomes like someone else. So the goal of discipleship, the goal of discipleship is to become like Jesus. Not like your pastor. Not like your prayer partner. Like, not like Big Mom and them. Your goal, the goal of discipleship is for you to become like Jesus. He wants you to be like him. How, how, in, in what ways are we supposed to become like Jesus? Here we go. Y'all ready? I'm going to get a lot of, oh, Lord Jesus. In our character and conduct. In our attitudes and actions. Uh-huh. In our character and conduct. Character and conduct. He knew Jesus, he knew Judas was gonna betray him. And the text says he still called him friend. In our attitude and actions, they owe taxes. Jesus said, pay the taxes. What that mean? Pay people back. Don't come in here and want to shout and speak in all them tongues and you owe your neighbor money. Give them their money. Shut down all them tongues and pay them back. Attitudes and actions. Suffer the little children to come unto me. That means anybody. The woman that had the issue of blood, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she rubbed up against him. And then you come in church, come on, I want nobody to touch me. Get your mind right. Because you and I are supposed to be coming like Jesus, and Jesus was touchable. See, we don't like this kind of word. Want me to bless you? Let me bless you. Touch your neighbor, say, neighbor. You coming out, the, the Lord going to open the door. He going to make the way. Now back to my regular scheduled message. Because that's what most of us want to come in here. But when we talk about attitudes and actions, we don't want to talk about that. We want to shout over that. When they talk about character and conduct, we want to speak in tongues over that. We want to sing over that. And God is saying, no, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be my disciple, you got to look like me. To progressively be conformed into his image so that we would begin to think like he would think and act like he would act and be what he would be. It is to become a replica of him. God wants us to be trained in the thinking of Jesus Christ so that the culture that is dominated by Satan has to deal with the influence of people that has been consumed by Jesus Christ. You know what I pray for this church? I pray that this church gets consumed with Jesus Christ. I pray that you get so consumed with him that when you hit the door, your hands are already up saying, I came to give him glory and I came to give him honor. Why? Because I'm consumed with this thing called Jesus Christ. Ain't nobody like him. He's the jelly on my biscuit. He's the, he's the butter on my bread. He's the smile on my face. I'm consumed with him. And even when I don't feel like praising him, my hands still go up and my mouth opens because I'm just consumed. I'm madly in love with Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in here that say I'm consumed with him? Consumed by him. See, God wants us to be trained in the thinking of Jesus Christ. He wants to make copies of himself so that we can shake the world upside down with what we know that works. Okay? So the goal of discipleship, the, ch- the goal of the church is not is, is discipleship, not just membership. The reason that we don't have the influence we ought to is because we have plenty of churches 
We got a bunch of members, but the king is having a hard time finding disciples. You got church on every corner. Everybody a pastor nowadays. I don't know why. Everybody on Facebook now preaching at you. Everybody got a word now. Everybody. Filtered and unfiltered. Checked and unchecked. Ordained and not. Everybody. But God is saying, there's plenty of churches. Uh, there's plenty of word that's going out. But I ain't finding many disciples. I ain't finding many people that can be down to their last dime and still give me the glory and still give me the praise. I, I'm having a hard time finding the people that I can take a rough season through and you don't c completely capitulate. God is looking for someone who has not become a disciple of the culture, but a disciple of the king. You can tell me more about Beyonce than you can about your Savior. You know every move on homecoming. But if I ask you to recite the Beatitudes, you have no clue even what I'm talking about right now. Because we have become, watch this, disciples of the culture that get you nowhere. Instead of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ that will change your life forever. There's some of us that can tell you, when Jesus came into my life, he turned my world upside down. I mean, turned it upside down. Wrecked my thinking. The things that I used to think, I don't even think that stuff no more. Because when you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he turns your world upside down. And then he wants you to turn the world upside down as well. Why make disciples? Because he wants to share. Watch this. Why does he want us to become disciples? Because he wants to share his authority with us. When we become disciples, he shares authority with us. Jesus only shares his authority with disciples, not members. Jesus only shares authority with disciples, not just Christians. Hate to bust your bubble. Because you can live life all your life and never see the rule of God in your life. Why? Why? Why is that I'm not seeing it? Why, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked me. Because what you are, not you, but the person in your chair, what you are is a long-distance Christian, not a close-up disciple. long distance. No wonder it take you so long to get a word. Because it got to travel to you. But when you're close, you're next to his ear. You're next to his mouth so you can hear what he got to say. God is saying, I'm tired of long distance Christians. I need close up disciples. I need people that will draw close to me. That will come in and hear what I got to say. That will come in and put your head on my bosom and just rest yourself. I'm looking for close up disciples. You get to see all authority operate when you are involved in becoming a disciple. And your relationship as a close follower uh, determines that authority you experience. Let me put it like this. I remember one time my, my bishop, my pastor, he told me to go over to somebody's uh, shop because there's something I needed. And, um, and I went over there before, and they were trying to give me this price that I was just not willing to pay. I said, I ain't paying that. That's too expensive. 
told my bishop about it. He said, listen, go back and tell them you want the same thing, but this time tell them you know me. So I, I walked into the store, and I said, um, listen, I want to get, well, I told you the price was X, Y, and Z. I said, I don't want to pay that. He said, well, that's the price. Oh, I meant to tell you, my bishop is so-and-so. Oh, why you ain't say that? <laughs> Watch this. Some of you don't realize it, but God is waiting on you to use the relationship to piggyback on his authority. Could it be that there's certain things going on in your life that you are paying a, a higher price for because you didn't piggyback off his authority? You married, but you're paying a high price for it. You got a job, but you're paying a high price for it. Because God said to wait on me. Hmm. Let me get out of that. Why do you think Jesus said in John 14 and 13, write that down, John 13, I'm sorry, John 14 and 13, John chapter 14, verse number 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. God is saying, why don't you put it under my name? Because if you put it under my name, you get authority that you wouldn't get any otherwise. Is there anybody in here that say, there's some things that came to me because I had to work real hard for it but there's other things that came to me because when I got lost in him I used his name and he gave me the authority that he has on my life I'm grateful that I he's the one that signs the check for my life and when you, he signs his name whatever I need he's able to give it to me Take it back off his authority Jesus wants you to get the benefits of what he has because of your association with him he wants you to share in what he possesses and you don't get it having a long distance relationship God says I want to make you a disciple so that what I've done legally you can make it literally <laughs> what I've done in heaven you can execute in earth so what do we do so what are y'all getting something from this so what do we do to make these disciples what do we do to make these disciples number one the text says what Go. Let church say go. go. Say it one more time. Go. You can study Hebrew. You can study Greek. You can study Aramaic. And you will discover that go means go. I know I gave you a deep revelation. It means, watch this, don't stay. Go to Matthew the 10th chapter, verse number 6 through 8. Matthew 10, verse number 6 through 8. I want, to, I want you to see this word in another scripture. Matthew 10, Jesus used this word before. Matthew 10, verse number 6 through 8. If you have it, say amen. But go rather to the lost, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He is giving the instructions right here on what you're supposed to do when you go as a disciple. Watch this. He says you're supposed to heal the sick, cleanse the, excuse me, let back up. He says you're supposed to preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, 
raise the dead, cast out demons. I'm scared, freedom, because many of you are going before your discipleship process, and you are going to heal the sick, and you sicker than the sick. I'm scared that you're working in ministry, trying to do all this, cleansing the leper, and you dirtier than them. I'm scared that you're trying to raise the dead, and they got more life than you. I'm scared that you're trying to cast out demons, and you're taking home demons with you that's whipping your tail every which way. Because you are not discipled on the level where you can handle this stuff. And God is saying, bring your hips back to be discipled. Let me teach you something before you try to save the world. How are you trying to save the world and your house tore up? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I love you. And I say this in love. But get your house in order. You raggedy. Inconsistent. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. The spirit of double-mindedness has hit the body of Christ like never before. All over the place. And God is saying, you have to be disciple so that when I go, you can handle this stuff. You can handle this stuff. Because you have not been trained. You have not been discipled. You don't have the mind of Christ yet. Soon as somebody talk about you, you ready to cuss, out, cuss somebody out. You got the mind of Christ yet? You quit your job every two days. Some of y'all say every day. <laughs> go means to go and be a witness for Jesus. Watch this. Here we go. As you go, this is my point, and this is what I need you to understand. There should be no question of who you belong to. This is why people, some people will never invite other people to church. Because the question is still out, who you belong to. Because you get away with it by talking about God. Because God is safe. But Jesus Christ puts you in another category. You won't offend anyone when you talk about God. When you talk about Jesus Christ, now the specificity of selectivity of the divinity brings exclusivity. Preach, oh, Philip. God say, you dating me and a whole lot of other people. You keeping me in the friend zone. When we going to get married? Because you won't marry benefits but you don't want to stay at home. I don't care if you mad right now. I'm talking to all us. I'm talking to all us. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to me as well. I'm talking to all us. I'm almost done. Breathe in, breathe out. You're going to make it. He says, go and let them know that the Messiah has come. See, it is safe to be a Christian here on Sunday morning because there is no competition in the house. Everybody around you probably already agrees with you. But to go means to leave the setting of the worship service and go back to the world and be a witness for Jesus. When you go, you run the risk of someone rejecting you, laughing at you, calling you a fanatic. Jesus says, are you going to take the risk and go? Can you be as committed and excited about him when you leave the place as you were in the place? Go, disperse, have the benediction, and now let me see how you feel about me. 
there's no praise team, and there's no preacher, and you're not surrounded by like-minded people, are you still associated with me? Everybody say go. Here's the next word he says. After you go, what do you do? Baptize. Baptize. That is why, watch this, he says, baptize them in my name. Okay. That word baptism is an interesting word in the New Testament time. It, it, is, it is used by, um, that word baptize in this culture, it was used by a profession uh, called, watch this, a dye maker who would make dye for cloth. Okay. So if a mother wanted to sew her daughter a pink dress, she would buy the cloth and bring it to the dye maker because the dye maker would then immerse the cloth into the pink dye, hang it up, and let the sun dry it, and then give it back to the mother so that she could uh, take the cloth and change the cloth to make her uh, a pink dress. In other words, the color of the dye would attach itself to the cloth so that the color of the cloth changes. You got it? There's a union that occurred between the dye and the cloth so that what it started to look like don't look like that no more. He says, go and baptize. The cloth has been, watch this, reclassified and re-identified and is now pink. That is not where it started. So when you are baptized, the covenantal act says that I'm willing to have a brand new identity. I ain't the same person no more. Who I used to be, that ain't me no more. Return to sender. I ain't there no more. Okay. In other words, it's like this. When a woman gets married and puts, puts on the ring, she changes the name. Because she is no longer to be identified with the father or the mother. Now, she is now to be identified with her husband because she has entered into a new union. And baptism, ladies and gentlemen, is not about you getting your clothes wet or you messing up your hair. Because if you are still worried about your clothes and your hair, your identity has not been changed. Because when you realize who you used to be and who God has made you, you'll gladly go down in that water to let everybody know, I thank God that where I used to be, I ain't there no more. <laughs> Baptism has to do with a new union that you have become attached to, associated with, and connected to. Baptism means you have become reclassified in Jesus Christ. He is your new point of identification. You are a disciple. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. What does the text say? Old things have what? Passed away. And behold, all things become new. First John says, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Uh, I think it's Peter that says, you are a chosen people, a royal, a royal priest and a holy nation, a God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Baptism means that your identity has changed and it has come through your relationship with Jesus Christ. I am scared that we are saved, but we ain't changing. Because your identity should be new. People should be able to look at you, and you used to go to high school with them, and they look at you now and say, girl, you are completely different. Ooh, I felt like going there. Because some of y'all need to say, yes, I was a skeezer just like you, but the Lord changed me. 
if you left me, I brought you back there. <laughs> Has he changed your identity? Has he gave, given you a new brand? Watch this. Or is it you were a cusser 10 years ago and you a better cusser today? Has he changed your identity? Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Some things should be old to you. Some things should be dead to you by now. You should have a new identity. I look at some of y'all, and I praise God for your new identity. Because you came in this church looking a mess. I don't mean your clothes, I mean your spirit. You came in this church down and depressed, crying every single week, just going through, and now God has put a smile on your face. Honey, he changed your identity. See, see, let's stop praising God for the house and for the car, and let's praise God that where I was, I ain't there no more. That I used to be depressed, now I got the joy of the Lord down in my heart. That I used to be lonely, but now I could go to bed with myself and be just fine by myself. Is there anybody in here that say, I give God, I need you to take five seconds and give God glory. That he changed your identity, that who you used to be, you ain't that no more. He got to change you. He got to change you. You got to stop saying this is just how I am. You got to stop saying that. You got to stop saying, well, I was just born this way. My mom was like this. My daddy was like this. Excuse me? That's why he told Nicodemus, be born again. I don't care what your identity was before. When you have a spiritual birth, now you are somebody different. And you have to work with the discipleship process where the Holy Ghost works on you to change who you are. Okay, let me put it like this. Chantel, you remember a time where there were certain things that uh, if they said it, you, you would be ready to just, I mean, cuss them, I mean, all the way out. I, I got to talk to real people. Because some of these people act like they don't know what I'm talking about. You know, listen, listen, listen. I know where the Lord brought you from. <laughs> But when you look at where you are, those same buttons that you used to have, you don't even have them no more. Because, watch this, you weren't resistant to the change, you went with the change. And watch this, and sometimes the change when you got to cry. You know, here's what, I'm, here's what I've discovered. There is a death process you have to go through when you get away from who you used to be. See, when God starts killing you, see, some of y'all be thinking there's these tears on these altars be about the hell that they're going through no god is killing me honey and it hurts and i don't like it but i got to be like clay in the potter's hand that he molds me into who he wants me to be and when he don't see what i should be he throws me back on the wheel again and he works on me more and more is there anybody here that say i'm glad that the lord worked on me because honey if you knew who i used to be and who i am today you would be giving god praise can you take 10 seconds and give god glory for how god changed the life of your neighbor that who you see in front of you is not who they identity has to be changed. Um, here's why your identity has to change. I'm almost done. Matthew 10, verse number 33. Go to Matthew 10, verse number 33. Matthew 10, verse number 33. Y'all still riding with me? Are y'all getting something from this? Matthew 10, verse number 33. All right. New King James Version says, but whoever denies me before men, 
him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. When you, when you want to act like you don't know me. If you deny me before men, I will also deny you before my father. Back up to verse number 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. Here's the revelation. I need y'all to get this. Here's the revelation. Jesus says, my father is only going to do for you what I agree with. Why did I say that? Because all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus says, my father is only going to do for you what I agree with. Watch this. And Jesus is telling you and I, I am, I am only going to agree with the stuff you include me in. If you include me in church, but leave me out on the street, on the job, leave me out with your friends, in your relationships, but you want to be all lovey-dovey with me in church, you say, I don't know, who, who is you? Who is you? Okay. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father, because all authority has been given to me. So Jesus says, discipleship means I want you to go as a baptized person. Watch this, a person married to me. No more dating. Encourage your, your neighbor and say, stop dating God. Stop dating them. Stop dating them. Okay, look at him and say, he, he wants to get married. Let's get married. <laughs> he wants to get married to you. Watch this. That's why you have to baptize in the name. You know why? Because the name means ownership. To be baptized in the name means that his name owns you. When you wear his name, he calls the shots. Not what I want, not my will, but thy will be done. Because I am wearing his name. So let me put it like this. Let me show it to you like this. So when you wear the name, the doctor is no longer the doctor. But the doctor that wears the name is God's representative in the medical field so the medical field can see what God looks like when God helps hurting people. Still don't, you, the lawyer is no longer the lawyer, but God's representative to the courtroom so that the courtroom can see what God looks like when God tries a case. The businessman is not just a businessman, but God's representative in the business world so the business world can get to see what God looks like when God cuts a deal. The teacher is not just a teacher, but the God's representative in the classroom so the classroom can get to see what God looks like when God teaches a lesson. The housewife is not just a housewife, but God's representative in the house so that the house can see what God looks like when God raises a family. Your job, my job, is to represent the name. While folk arguing about should you get baptized in Jesus' name or in the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, how about you just represent the name? Because ain't nobody trying to represent the name. Can we look at you wherever you go and we know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ? Sorry, I ain't talking about your bills today. Sorry, I ain't talking about your co-worker that's getting on your nerves. Have you represented the name? Getting heavy, Lord. Help me. Number one, you're supposed to what? Go. Number two, here's number three, teach. What do you teach? Pneumatology, anthropology, angelology? No. Uh -uh. 
That's all good. That's nice. Some of y'all didn't know what I just said. You thought I lapsed in his tongues or something. <laughs> Teach them how to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what Jesus said. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them how to observe whatever I have commanded you. Teach them how to live the life that, that my name demands. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, freedom, I need you to hear this. Because this is a problem where we, have, where we have failed in this church. That is why the goal of preaching is not just knowledge. I wanted y'all to be quiet. The goal of preaching is not just knowledge. The goal of preaching is observation for application. I don't preach for you to get filled up in your head when, with facts. It's, it's observation for application. You're supposed to apply this stuff. Without application, teaching becomes a waste of time. Okay, you don't believe me. If you had a life-threatening disease and you had to go to a doctor and you needed surgery and you get to the doctor and the doctor tells you, all right, I'm going to operate on you, but you my first operation. Watch this, watch this. But the doctor says, you my first operation, but I just want to let you know, hey, I got all A's in school. My question becomes, do you want that person to operate on you? No. Why? Because you want people that got some evidence that they know what they're doing. A bunch of A's in a classroom don't mean you know how to apply it when you get in the surgery room. So just like you and I, as a disciple, it's not good enough to just have a bunch of facts. Do you know how to walk this thing out? Do you know how to apply this word? Do you know how not to retaliate when you got them, when you got them? Do you know how to shut down a conversation that you know is detrimental to the church? Or do you just sit on the phone and listen and say, child, that's a mess, and then hang up and then call somebody else about it? Do you know how to apply this stuff? After you done trying to pray for me, do you still love me? Or are you praying for somebody you don't even like? You are not a disciple until application is initiated in your life. The fact that you took notes, you remembered verses, all that is nice. But until it becomes a part of your life, discipleship is not yet in place. Until change is evident in your life. Until fruit is exhibited in your life. Until you can love your enemies. Until you can turn down sin, God help me, until you can deny yourself, knowledge without application means absolutely nothing. And God's goal is to not make just members, but disciples. And Jesus ends his whole statement by saying, uh, King James first, and lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. Now, in the original text, the translation is actually, I even I am with you always. He literally says, I, even I, am with you always until the end of the earth. That's what the original text says. But by the time King James uh, got it, he changed the inference because he just thought that was redundant. So he said, lo, I will be with you always. Uh, Jesus is saying, I, me, myself, will be with you always. That messed me up. Because in the other verse, you said God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But now we get here and you say, I, even I, I, me, myself, will be with you always. 
What is he doing? He, 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 because all authority has been handed to him. And Jesus said, I'm going to make the final call. I'm going to make the final call in your life. Now, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. You know, we, we love to use that text when we got a headache. I know we love to use that verse when, it's, when we lose our job. We sure love to use that verse when we single. That the Lord going to be with me. I don't need nobody. Just All I need is King Jesus. I don't need nobody else. I lie. Watch this. But the verse is actually talking about uh, is God being with folks who are disciples who are making disciples. In other words, God does not have, I want you to hear this, God does not have the same relationship with every Christian. Uh, go over to John, the second chapter, Gospel according to John, the second chapter, verse number 23 and 24. It's our last scripture. John 23 and 24. John, the second chapter, 23 and 24. John, the second chapter, verse 23 and 24 and 25. John, the second chapter, 23 through 25. Amen. Love the fact that you're using the index. Use it. Use it. Table of contents. Use it. Use it. I love it. How else will you learn? How else will you know where stuff at? Don't feel ashamed because you had to look in the front. That's fine. I talking about some of those minor prophets. I still got to look it up. I don't know where that's at. Nahum and all, listen. <laughs> I got to look that up. I don't know where it is. That's before or after somebody. Watch this. John chapter 2, verse number 23 through 25. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. Because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Did y'all see that? Um, verse number 24, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. You know what that means? He had the same relationship with all Christians. I know that messes with your thinking sometimes. You know, we used to sing a song, Jesus on the main line. Call him up and tell him what you want. Some of you don't know the number. Because there's some people, you just let them send you a message on Facebook, and there's other people that you let them call your phone. I mean, I'm not one of those people that give out my number to everybody. I'm sorry. I don't know about y'all. You hit me up on, on Facebook, on, on social media, God bless, keep hit, sending me a message here. I'll check it when I get to it. And Jesus is saying, not everybody has my phone number because not everybody has that close of a, co a connection with me. We, I love everybody, but we don't have the same level of relationship. Watch this. Just because you are saved does not mean that you are close. And put it like this, I love every member of this church. I love you with my life. I love every member of this church, but I don't have the same relationship with every member of this church. I have one relationship with the directors, another with the ministers, another with the deacons, another with those that work in ministry, and those that just come on Sunday. There are different levels of the relationship. 
even though I love everybody. Jesus loves all his children. Look at your neighbor and say, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Yeah. He loves you. But he does not have the same relationship with all his children. Some he knows from afar because it's a long-distance relationship. Some he knows up close because he has, he have, because they have invested in their discipleship process. And what he is saying is, I, even I, am with those that are disciples and are disciple makers. I'm close to my disciples. And I'm close to disciple makers. You don't believe me. Okay? You had the crowd. You had his disciples. You had the inner court. And you, and you had the ones that he, the one that he loved. You had the crowd. He fed the crowd. He gave them what they wanted. He loved them. He gave them exactly what they needed. But then he had his disciples. And his disciples walked with him every day. The disciples saw what he had to go through. The disciples were up close to get the first hand of the teaching. The disciples went through everything that they had to go through in order to be with Jesus. Here's Peter sitting up there in the group. He's a disciple. And God calls Peter one day a devil. Could you imagine the Lord one day just calling you a straight up devil? You're just a devil. Peter, you're you a mess. I need you to get yourself together. Watch this. And then he had those, Peter, James, and John, that when he went off to pray, he took, he took away from the disciples, and they were part of his inner core. Because you don't take everybody with you when you're going through what you're going through. That's why you need to stop putting your business on Facebook. Because you're getting a crowd involved in a private situation. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and then we discover that there's one of them that he loved, and the text says that's John, because there were levels of relationship that they had. Watch this, but Peter, James, and John are the same people that went over after Acts and tore up the world, and you are sitting here today believing in the same Jesus because he used them at a level that he didn't use the others. They became the first bishops of the church because they were in the inner core. God wants to know, freedom, how close do you want this relationship to be with him? Do you just want a spirituality that Jesus is waiting on heaven? Or do you want a relationship where heaven comes to earth? Because it depends on your closeness. I'm scared, freedom. I'm scared. You know why I'm scared? that some of us we've learned how to do church but we haven't learned how to be church we've learned how to lift our hands and if the music starts real good you'll dance all over this church but after you dance you still don't speak until you sit down next to me I said I, I'm looking for disciples in this season God command me talk, honest moment. We were supposed to have baptism in this church, and we called, I don't know how many people, probably about 10, 13 people that were supposed to be baptized. And do you know every last one of them said, no, they don't want to be baptized? And it grieved my spirit. I understand some of y'all might have had an agreement with me on that. But it grieved my spirit. 
because it made me question, are we rebranding people under the banner of Jesus Christ? Or did you just think it was about getting your hair wet? And if you thought it was about getting your hair wet, that's why I called it today. Because I need you to understand that God's trying to put his mark, his seal on you. He wants his light to shine wherever you at. You could be in the middle of Publix. And somebody walk up to you and start telling you all their business about what they're going through. And you're like, all I wanted to do was come in here and get some cereal. <laughs> but God says, when you're my disciple, you are always on duty. I could use you wherever I want to use you. I ain't got to just use you up in church. There's some of you, you can't realize, you don't even understand why people come and tell you all their business. Because God is trying to use you to disciple other people. But because you're so resistant to the process, you don't want to be inconvenienced with stuff that you done planned for your life. That God says, I can't even use you because you don't want to be a disciple to me. Freedom? How close do you want to be? Do you want to be close enough where you just work in ministry? Or do you want to be close enough where heaven comes down to you? My question to you today. How close do you want to be? Can you get your feet in the place? Here's what I want to do as we get ready to go in just a minute. I first want to find out and discover. The only way that you can be a disciple is you have to surrender your heart to the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, wherever you are all over this building, I want to introduce you to a man that can change your life and make it brand new. If you know you're not saved or you're unsure of your salvation, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then it's a done deal. You shall be saved, the Bible says in Romans. It is an easy process, but you have to surrender your heart to the Lord. So my brother, my sister, wherever you are all over this building, if you know you're not saved or you are unsure of your salvation, I need you to be sure in this moment. God says, whosoever will, let them come. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through, he is available to make your life brand new. He's open and ready to receive you right where you are. So my brother, my sister, if you know you're not saved, unsure of your, salva of your salvation, I offer Christ to you. So if I'm talking to you with nobody looking around, and you know you need to surrender your heart to the Lord, this is your time, this is your moment. I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your hand saying, Pastor, it's me. I want to surrender my heart to the Lord. I want to make sure that my name is written in the Lamb book of, book of life. Wherever you are, come on, let's do this. One, God loves you. Two, don't leave here the same way as you came. So if I'm talking to you, lift your hand. One, two, and three, lift up your hand if I'm talking to you. If I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. All right, heads up, eyes open. Last thing I want to do. believe that I taught this message and it didn't convict you. I believe that there was a conviction that rested in this house. That some of you are going to have to wrestle with this even beyond this moment. But you know why? God is calling you up. Because you're trying to live down here and he's saying down here ain't good enough. I've got more in you. And I need you to come on up. And though the demand is great,